Good morning, good morning, good morning. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord, everybody. Um, let us open with a word of prayer. Dear God, you are awesome. You are magnificent, God. You are gracious and holy. Worthy is your name, God. Thank you for the privilege, God, that we have to sit in your presence, God, and learn and listen. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to grow in you. Thank you for the tools that you provide to us to get through this evil, evil world, God. Thank you, God, for all and everything. And God, I ask that you reduce me, help my mind to stay focused, God. And I ask that you would give me more of you so that we can get the word out clear and concise. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, the title is, My People Are Destroyed for a Lack of Knowledge. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So I guess the first question is, what is knowledge? Knowledge is a familiarity, awareness, or understanding of someone or something, such as facts, information, descriptions, or skills, which is acquired through experience or education by perceiving, discovering, or learning. So that's how we sum up knowledge in the world. So then we're gonna look at confidence because it kind of gets confused sometimes or goes along with confidence. Confidence is the state of feeling certain about the truth of something, a feeling of self-assurance arising from one's appreciation of one's own abilities or qualities. So let us not confuse knowledge with confidence. Knowledge is essential to understanding and solving problems. Confidence is necessary to take your opportunities and to put the knowledge in use. So confidence comes with knowledge, not in place of. So both knowledge and confidence are important to, to achieve success. Similarly, confidence without knowledge is not helpful in many circumstances. So I found this article online and it says, the beauty about knowledge is that no two people have the same knowledge level. There are some things that one person may know that another person may not know. It does not mean that one person is better than another intellectually, but it does mean that what everyone knows individually is unique. Today's inspiration is about your knowledge. As much as you may know, there is still some things that you do not know, regardless of age or experience. The goal is not only for you to recognize what you know and do not know, but to find out what do you want to know and how to gain knowledge. When you realize that you can gain knowledge, the possibilities are endless. Now that you know the goal, it is time to ask a few questions. So we're gonna just kind of get a picture of what all that I just said. So let's apply all this to our jobs. 
So I found this article on infocaption.com. Whatever the situation, you can never do more than your best with the prerequisites at hand. If coworkers lack the tools necessary to do their job to the best of their ability, it may create a lot of unnecessary stress and frustration regarding the workplace. Most people want to feel like they know their job and know they're doing it well. Such confirmation is important for our well-being. But what happens if we feel the opposite? What happens if we feel like we don't know our job and we're not doing a good job? One reason for many people experiencing stress at the workplace is that they spend a lot of time searching for knowledge and information, but don't know where to find it. In a study made in Sweden in 2010, it showed that 43% of the participants spend about 30 minutes every day to search for information. That obviously affects both employee and employer negatively. Employees may feel stress and frustration since time that could be spent performing your valuable work tasks is wasted searching for answers. In the short term, stressed and frustrated coworkers may commit more errors than they normally would since they feel the need to make up for lost time and hence lose focus. Long term, their motivation and enthusiasm for the job will decrease since it is constantly accompanied by stress. Lastly, stress can also have serious health conditions. Who in here doesn't know that stress causes health problems? So, if this is the effect of our jobs, how much more does lack of knowledge of the God you, you, you serve affect you? I know, it, it leaves me feeling lost. That's one word I can think of because God is in our every day, all day. He's not a job. He's our everything. Um, so if, when, whenever I'm lost in the word, it, it's, it's just a horrible feeling. So let's start with scripture. Proverbs chapter one, verse seven. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 2, 3 through 6. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her for as, as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Proverbs 2, 10 through 12. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you to deliver you from the way of evil from the man who speaks perverse things. So what did God say about knowledge? This is probably my favorite scripture of all time because I think once I learned this scripture and understood it, that stuck with me my whole life. It's something I think is really, besides love, I think this is the second, just in my opinion, biggest thing for God. 
This is Hosea 4, 4 and 6. God says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. So the message version, my favorite version of the Bible is the message. You always hear me. I was talking about the message version on Wednesday. It says, just to simplify it, my people are ruined because they don't know what's right or true because you've turned your back on knowledge. So when it says you've turned your back on knowledge, what does somebody think that he means by that? Sister Sonia said, chosen ignorance. <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's the worldly way of looking at it, yeah. <laughs> Anybody else? So when it says, when, when God says that we have turned our back on knowledge, what, what do you think God is talking about? Amen. We can know God because, you know, I grew up in the church learning about God, but that doesn't mean I'm in God mm -hmm. or I'm mm -hmm. seeking God. Amen. He's, he's coming to me. Amen. You know, it's just a superficial thing. It's something I pick up and I listen to yeah. and forget, you know. But I do that he's, he's coming to me, refuse to run to him and therefore learn and, you know, allow the words, like he said, to come to you. So a scriptural definition of knowledge is an intimate relationship. Um, it, it is a it, it is a um, intimate knowing. So when God says you've turned your back on knowledge, He's talking about Himself, like Sister Sonia said. So you know, but you choose to be ignorant, which is the definition of a lack of knowledge. You, you choose to be without knowledge. And in any way possible, even when I said about the job, it not only causes stress and frustration, but when you're talking about spiritual things, it creates death. Um, death and not just physical like you just die, but death as we know now, you know, from learning, death can be a lot of things. Death could be a, a death of your, um, a death of your, I just drew a blank. Um, yes, death of your finances, um, death of your health. Like death manifests in so many other ways than just a physical, you just die. Right. So what does, so I found this quote online. It says, knowledge will continue to overpower you because if taught, it taught you something yesterday, it is teaching you something today, and it will teach you something tomorrow if you live to see tomorrow. And that's by Michael Fight. 
So 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Um, in the message version, concent concentrate on doing your best for God, work you won't be ashamed of, laying out truth, plain and simple. So John 8, 32, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I'm doing both versions because in the regular versions it's more familiar, but the message version, it just kind of breaks it down, layman's terms. Message version, then Jesus turned to the Jews who had claimed to believe in him. He said, if you stick with this, living out what I tell you, you are my disciples for sure. Then you will experience for yourselves the truth. And once again, and the truth will what? Set you free. Some version says make you free. So how do I overcome my own ignorance? So the answer to that is you place your life before God. So Romans 12, 2. This is the King James 21st century version. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The message version. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in, that, that you fit into it without thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed well maturity in you. So what do you think he means when he says, unlike the culture around you? Who, who is he talking about? The world. The world. And what is the world? Who is the world? Anything that's unlike God is worldly. Anyone that doesn't claim God is in the world. It's just cut and dry. There are some that claim God that are in the world. Amen. But when you claim God, you, you actually buy into it, you believe God, and you have faith, then you are out of the world. Because if, you're, if you bought into it and you have the faith to act on it, then you're not in the world, right? Because you've changed your ways. you change yourself, like I said, from the inside out. Right. And the fruit will show. Mark 7, 18 through 20. And he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? since it enters not into his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. 
Thus he declares all foods, well, it's just saying that by him saying that he's declaring that all foods are clean. And he said, what comes out of a person, what comes out of a, out of a person, out of a person is what defiles him. So people standing around you cussing, not people you hang with, right? But you just happen to be in an environment where somebody's cussing. Does that mean that you're going to start cussing? It could influence you. Yeah, definitely influence you. But does that mean you're just going to spit that right back out? No. So what, and this was Christ talking to a group of people. And, well, the Pharisees, he was talking actually to the Pharisees. Um, let, me, let me go back for perspective. So I want to tell you who the Pharisees were. Because you see him talking to Pharisees, or the Pharisees are challenging him constantly. So the Pharisees were members of a party that believed in the resurrection and in following legal traditions that were ascribed not to the Bible, but to the traditions of the fathers. Like the scribes, they were also well-known legal experts Hence, the partial overlap of membership of the two groups. So we all know these people. We all know these people. They know a lot of scripture. And they sound real good when they talk about things of scripture, right? But they don't buy it, but they don't believe the whole scripture. So what did it say? It said that they believe in the resurrection, but they don't ascribe to the Bible. So how can you believe in one and not the other? The whole Old Testament is leading up to the resurrection. So which part are you saying you believe in? Which you, you can't do one without the other. That irks me. It's like some people say I believe in the, in the Old Testament, but when it comes to the New Testament, I'm not so, because that's just too spiritual. Or I believe in the New Testament because I, I believe in Christ, but the Old Testament just doesn't make sense. And, and he said that that's out of date anyway. Who said? God said the word. He is the word. So are we saying he's a part of the word? and not? So when we get into all those things, you have to go back to the knowledge that you found in the word for yourself. When things don't sound right, here's your knowledge right here. It's in the word. Most of what I've been saying today is all scripture. But it makes sense. Find that version that makes sense for you. The message makes sense for me. The King, the King James does as well, but I like how the message breaks it down to layman's, like literally sounds like he's talking in our day and time where you, where you can just grab it. You can't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. That's right. Amen. 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 Yeah, you definitely can't have the one without the other. And also, if you really are studying your word and you're reading it, you'll find references to Old Testament scriptures throughout the New Testament. 
Um, and like I said, the prophecy of the resurrection is throughout the Old Testament. So how do you separate? That's like I've heard people saying that they're New Testament saints. You know, when you hear nonsense and craziness, once again, don't gobble that up and then spit that back out because where did that come from? You have to consider your source as well. So that's what Jesus was saying to them. He said, just because you take something in doesn't mean that you have to spit it out. He said, that goes into your stomach, not your heart. Don't process that and then just give it right back because instead of us making people replicate Christ because we are Christ-like, we're replicating the world mixed in with Christ, and that's confusing. Because you're just taking on what, oh, well, you know, so-and-so was cussing. Shoot, that made me cuss too. What? <laughs> Control yourself. Seriously, that's, that's what he's saying. Christ, I mean, he, and he, a lot of these scriptures, I just want y'all to know, he's not pleasant. He's not placating anybody. He's not saying, oh, it's okay, you know, if you blah, blah, blah. No, he's like, what is wrong with you? Like, for real, he's serious. You know, I was talking to my husband the other day. And I was in an uproar about something. I don't, I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> I have no idea. But I was just like, how, how do people not see? And that includes myself. That, that includes myself. I'm a little weird sometimes, too. But, but how do people not see that when you disregard God, then your whole life doesn't make sense? Like, literally, you disregard him. So then if you're disregarding his teaching, is the knowledge of the word, who he is, what makes sense about your life? Where are you getting your truth from? And, it's, and, and, and if it's from the world, why? Because the world is fickle. You know, they're talking about, you, you know, you, you only live once, so do whatever, but you only die once too. You only die once. That's what I'm going to be focusing on, my death, so that I know where I'm going. <laughs> so be careful what you're listening to and what you're regurgitating. YOLO is not cool. YOLO is not scriptural. Because I know when I die, I have another life in heaven. So if I'm repeating that to people and I'm a Christian, what, what is that, what is, how does that translate? You know, be careful what you say. Be careful what you take in and regurgitate out. Be in control of yourself and, and be aware of what you're putting out there. What does light have to do with darkness? It, it, and a double-minded man is double-minded in all his ways. That's another scripture. And here's the thing. You're going to meet a lot of people that claim that they go to church all the time. They love God, blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, are they consistent? Are they truly striving to live a life that is for Christ? Or are they just all over the place? You know, you see them in church Sunday, but they were just in the club last night. So now you're in an environment that's ungodly, but now you're sitting in church Sunday morning and it's ungodly. You know, I understand for those people who don't know better. If you don't know better, okay, okay, you know, we get it. You're still growing. You know, you're probably a new Christian. You're still growing and learning. But if you know better, you've been sitting in church your whole life. You know you, know, you ain't supposed to be in no club. 
You have a spirit of God inside of you. Why are you dragging him into? So here's a thing that also uh, gets me, and, I, and I'm going to do a message about it because it's, it's powerful. When you have a Holy Spirit on the inside of you, consider this. He can't move you to go anywhere. And he can't stop you from going anywhere. All, all he can do is influence because God does not want us to love him out of a, a subservient, you know, um, well, I love you because you're going to make me do it anyway. That, that's not God. So you have this spirit locked on the inside who has, who has chosen to meld with you, to get you through life, to encourage you, you know, increase your knowledge, be that funnel between you and God, and you're dragging them to a club? There is a scripture that says that when you grieve the Holy Spirit, all kind of madness happens to you. So then you wonder why all these things are happening to you. It's because you have grieved that Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you. Be careful. Be careful with that. It's dangerous. So Romans, um, so how do I overcome my own ignorance? I'm sorry. We're going to go back to that. So I was talking about the Pharisees, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to close out after this. I was talking about the Pharisees, and I described who they are, and we kind of got a picture of what type of people they are. And so they, they followed Jesus. They actually came all the way from a whole other land just to argue with him, literally. No other reason but just to call him on whatever he's talking about. So he said to them, then you are also without understanding. Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods are clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. And then he said, after that, in Matthew 15, I'm sorry, after that, the Pharisees and religion scholars came to Jesus all the way from Jerusalem criticizing. Why do your disciples play fast and loose with the rules, they said. But Jesus put it right back on them. He said, why do you use your rules to play fast and loose with God's commandments? So that's what I'm saying. We're not, we're not supposed to be weak. You know, you call people on their madness and their nonsense if you have the knowledge to do that. If you don't, kind of bow out, leave it alone, you know. You don't, you don't want to get into a battle with people who study. That These are studiers of religion. They're not, no, just everyday person on the street who doesn't pick up a Bible ever. But, but he turned it right back on them. He said, why do you play fast and loose? So God clearly says, respect your father and mother, and anyone denouncing father and mother should be killed. But you weasel around that by saying, whoever wants to can say to father and mother what I owe to you I've given to God that can hardly be called respecting a parent you cancel God's command by your rules frauds Isaiah's prophecy of you hits the bullseye these people make a big show of saying the right thing but their heart isn't in it they act like they're worshiping me but they don't mean it they just use me as a cover for teaching whatever suits their fancy. So once again, knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. What is knowledge, guys? 
Knowledge of the Lord. Pot power. Amen. Power. What were you all saying? Power. power. Amen. Knowledge, guys, over here. Knowledge is where it's going. Okay. And why is knowledge important? You can prevent things from happening. Makes your life easier. Anybody else? So what did we learn about knowledge today? And on top of everything else, God said, my people are destroyed. If you look back throughout time in the Old Testament, God got angry with his people mainly because they did not share his, the, the knowledge of him and his word and his commands with their descendants. That made him angry because if you think about it, if you claim to be a Christian, which is a Christ-like one, what are you supposed to be? You're supposed to be duplicating yourself. Duplicate yourself, replica replicate yourself. And that's why he ordained marriage so that we can duplicate ourselves and spread his gospel. So it's supposed to be a whole lot of us Christians out there talking the same thing, looking the same way. But, it, but once again, it's confusing if you're talking one thing and doing something totally different. A spir spiritual adulterers, ex exactly. You just go against what you know. And so, so the biggest thing is on your journey with Christ, make sure that you are getting the knowledge that you need to continue your mission. You know, when people run around and say, I just don't know what, what my purpose is in life. Your purpose is to serve God. All the worldly stuff comes under that. But our purpose in life we are here to serve him. He didn't put us here for no reason. He put us here to, because he knew how evil this world was going to be. People keep saying, when is the world going to get better? Never. And if the New Testament Christians were to read the Old Testament, you will see where God said it's never going to get better. What are we? That's what we're here for is to be a beacon of light in the darkness. It's going to get darker, guys. These shootings are nothing. Now they're shooting kids, like element, what, what was it, middle school? Elementary school. Yeah, that's not going to stop. It's just going to get worse. But guess what? I hope those kids had someone in their life to teach them about Christ. Because guess what? If you don't know God, where are you going? It's deep. It's serious. It's serious. God said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Get knowledge.